I think it's good that people are paying more attention, but I also don't know that it's more than it ever was. I think people are just, the kids are maybe more comfortable talking about it. So we see it and people say, now the kids, there's so much, you know, sex and drugs, but I don't think it's more. There's always those two kids who do things really early and then those sort of group that does it, whatever. And then this people who watch and the people who are late, like, I don't know, or there's certain grades or classes that just someone found they introduced a drug somehow or they, you know, it seems like that. You're listening to the MILF Podcast. This is the show where we talk about motherhood and sexuality with amazing women with fascinating stories to share on the joys of being a MILF. Now here's your host, the MILFiest MILF I know, Jennifer Tracy. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. This is MILF Podcast, the show where we talk about motherhood, entrepreneurship, sexuality, and I'm your host, Jennifer Tracy. Today on the show, we have Ione Skye. So great to sit down and talk with Ione in her beautiful home. We talked about all things motherhood, a very interesting upbringing, and her acting career. Ione is currently starring in HBO's Camping. So exciting. Such an amazing show. Really great. I'll let the interview just speak for itself because it was fascinating and I love talking with her. So I hope you enjoy it. And thanks for tuning in. Hi, Ione. Hi. Thank you so much for being on the show. Oh my God. I'm so honored. I was driving up here thinking like, I'm interviewing Diane Court. <laughs> <laughs> this is really exciting. <laughs> so um, I kind of want to start with you from your childhood because you have a really interesting story because yes. you grew up in Hollywood mm-hmm. and with famous parents. And so can you kind of start from the beginning a little bit? Sure. Well, my mother's uh, a New Yorker. She's from the sort of lower middle class Jewish, not immigrant, but this sort of uh, that type of New York Jewish family who moved from like Queens to the Bronx. And there was a whole kind of um, you know, a big group, great, great people from New York. And then, but then her older sister took her out to LA in the sixties and she sort of never looked back and met my father at the whiskey, I think was like the ticket taker or something just to be in the scene. And then she and he went and they lived in England and in Scotland and, um, they, but they broke up when I was really young. And but you were born in Scotland. I was born in uh, London, but okay. my they had they I was conceived That's in Scotland. I remember. And so yeah. being sort of hippieish, I guess they my middle name is Sky actually. So I when I started acting, I someone suggested I drop my last name and just use Ioni Sky, which was good. Although I worried people would think I had made it up because it sounds a little I don't know made up I guess I don't know I don't think it sounds made up anymore but I was concerned at the time but yes so but I lived they separated and he remarried pretty quickly and that generation and being artistic they he wasn't dutiful father type and he didn't really keep in touch with my brother and me and my mom and he sort of just moved forward and for whatever reason kept going so I grew up with my mother and my we had a couple stepfathers but we grew up in LA And, um, it was very, it was great. And my mother, thank God was, you know, she sort of could kind of do it all. Yeah. So what, what, what did she do? What was her? 
Well, when she was young, she modeled and then she, I mean, I think she could have probably done more, but was a little insecure for some reason. And it's interesting watching myself and making sure I don't fall under the same kind of, I, I mean, I, I sort of have a different path a little bit, but she modeled, she's very beautiful. And then, so at one point she had a, a restaurant with her best friend, which was probably her most ambitious thing. It was at the Improv. Oh, um, wow. And it was um, in the early 80s. And I hung out there a lot. And had I been older, I probably would have really appreciated all the comedians in and out. But there was a great little restaurant in the front that she and her best friend had. But that restaurants aren't, a, you know, that's a hard business. And so, but she she was a waitress. She drove a limousine at one point. She worked at a um like delivering tickets for, uh, not flight attendants for, you know, working. I don't know what it would have been called. Like for a, I'm forgetting the word for it. Anyway, delivering tickets to people before, I don't know, she would drive around to travel agent. Travel agent. Yeah. She worked at a travel agency. She sort of did a lot of, she was a caterer for a little while. She just did a lot of different things. She worked hard. She worked really hard. So you grew up, that was your role model. That was my role model. Yeah. yeah, she really worked hard, but she sort of would put herself down like, I'm not that smart. I'm not, you know, she kind of didn't think of herself as educated. And, um, but she's very funny. And you is know, she still around your mom? Yeah. And she's around the corner. Oh, she and is. So my brother oh. and I and my mother, we've lived pretty much in the same, apart from when we were, my brother and I at some point lived in New York. But, Mainly, she's been very, very lucky mom because she's had both of us. And we really like each other. Like, I sort of get surprised when I meet people who really, you know, they don't really want to hang out with their family. And not that we don't drive each other crazy, but we, at the core of it, like, we love spending time together. So I guess it's unusual. That's so nice. Yeah, it's really nice. And how old were you when you started acting? I was 15. Wow. I know. I mean, you know, when you're 15, 15 feels like, oh, I got this. Yeah. But now looking back, it's like, my God, I was just such a child. I know. It's so true. Did you, were you thrust into that and, and, or did you jump into that and homeschooled? Were you like, was that just your whole life all of a sudden or? Um, Yeah, I was, well, because my, my mother also kind of, she went to Paris and modeled a little later, probably 17. But I think for her, she knew what that felt like to just want to start being on your own. And she wasn't, I mean, she didn't, well, actually it was in the eighties and it was sort of popular to, for the industry, like to emancipate kids who are underage so they can work adult hours. So I was in that group of kids who were emancipated. So I was legally 18 and didn't, and I, but I never got my uh, high school diploma. My best friend who also left school in high school and started working just got hers. So she's been pushing me to do that. So I might do that. So yeah, I wasn't homeschooled. I just left school basically in like the end of 10th grade. And I used to be very sort of embarrassed about it, but now I'm, you know, I'm not embarrassed about it anymore. <laughs> I'm not that I don't think school's good. It just, that's right. just what happened. Your to story, me. that was your path. Yeah. And you got a, a way different kind of education in the work, you know, the workforce of Hollywood. Yeah. And luckily the quality of the films were good and the TV in the beginning. And also I was like in France or England or, so I kind of felt 
like I was getting an education by traveling and it wasn't, I wasn't working on something mindless and silly. It was like good quality. And luckily my experiences were very good. I don't have, I don't have bad experiences. And I felt like I was, and I'm, well, I loved reading and I was very, like my best friend was at Yale and every year I made sure I like hung out and spent the night or just to see if I could have a conversation with someone who <laughs> went to Yale, just to kind of make sure, am I, can I speak? Can I write? Can I yeah, read? But course. you know, but it was, yeah. I, you know, I was fine. Yeah. And then, so at some point you had your older daughter. I don't know how old you were. How old were you? I was you 31. Had? Okay. So again, young. Like, I looking guess back, so. Like yeah. This. I was married when I was, I got married really young. Um, and it was really to an amazing person and, but I was so young and it didn't, I, I was too young to be married, but we were married a couple of years and, uh, but we didn't have kids. And then, yeah, then a few years, I guess we separated when I was like 26, but by, when I hit 29, 30, I really wanted a kid and I had, I got set up with somebody for the first time rushed into getting engaged and getting pregnant and during the pregnancy realized like uh oh, oh we wow. are not going to work out. Oh wow. <laughs> so that was a bit impulsive. I mean there was there's some great things I did pick, I guess you could say or we picked you know pretty well like he's an amazing he's very dutiful father and we we're almost always on the same page with parenting. We're very different in some ways, but um, we love each other very much. And it's been hard for our daughter, I'm sure, and for us, because sharing a kid, we've shared her, is just... It's difficult. I'm doing it now. And it's uh, and as amicable as I am with my ex-husband, it's, it's really hard. And it's hard on my son. Like, he just asked me the other day, we just got divorced. We just finalized it in October. And he said, he's nine, as you know, it's your daughter's nine. He said... Uh, are you guys divorced officially? I said, we are. And he said, I don't like that. And so I let, you know, we had a discussion about his feelings about it and it's just, you know, it's hard, but it was the right thing. So I understand. Okay. So, wow. So that's, that's intense. So you're immediately a single mom. Yeah. Like I was from the a beginning. single mom. I know it's wild. I, I mean, I had, uh, my little brother's nanny, and then it sort of became more popular to call. I, it's funny, like now everyone's a babysitter, which is nice because nanny sounded really formal. But back then it was more like people were saying nanny. And, it, and so she was my, my you know, sidekick because at first, which was good, I had my daughter more, which make I feel like it's nice for the mom when they're babies. And then by the time she was, he was in the picture, but we didn't start really doing half half for a long time it really worked its way into that and he got remarried and had a baby and so she had this family over there and then eventually I had my family over here it's weird I uh I more than made up for it though with my new husband because he's like Mr. Mom and yeah. so even though I was pretty much sort of a single mom emotionally and and you know physically for a while I you know, now I have such a different type of family, but it was, you know, I don't know. It worked out as best as it could, I think. Did you just continue to work during that time or was there a break for you? Was there? Yeah. I mean, I never, I never stopped working on purpose because it always seemed there was always periods of not working anyway. Right. I was never. Just organically. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. I never was kind of 
when I when I was back to back, occasionally it was before kids. Sometimes I would have a job back to back, but once I had kids, it wasn't like that. So that worked out. But yeah, I just um, it seemed to just work out where just when. I mean, sometimes I, I, I once had a job in Ireland for five weeks when my older daughter was, I guess she was like eight and it was super stressful. Like, do I pull her out of school? And, and I did because five weeks felt way too long to be away from her. So, but they, and that was only here and there where it felt like stressful in that way. Mainly it was, mo- you know, mostly with the kids. And then how old was your daughter when you met your current husband? She was just five. Oh wow! Yeah. Okay. So okay. it was a while. So it was a while, and that was nice. I mean, she she's the type where she's a bit cautious in a way. She's a like she loves humans and people so much, but she also is picks or chooses. You know, she's a very kind of cautious person on in a way too. So she didn't like throw herself into it and he's really great because he wasn't demanding of her and they they have a really nice friendship really good she's she's got a great stepmother on her other side too nice it's that's been great yeah that helps a lot when it's just easy and amicable yeah that's that's wonderful and then how old was she when your second daughter was born she was eight okay so eight yeah you already said that okay or maybe you didn't. <laughs> okay, got she it. She was eight. So it was good. I mean, they're really far apart. And one, you know, they never were both around the same age that would go to the park together. Like their interests have always so far been very far apart. But also there's no, I mean, it's not much competitive kind of stuff. My little one just looks at her like she's this magical oh, yes. creature. Oh, and yeah. then, you know, my older one thinks that the little one is really sweet. So is she in college now? Yeah, no, but it feels boarding like because she's at boarding That's right. School. Okay. So it, it feels like she's at college. Yeah. She's in 11th grade. Oh my gosh. She's, she's uh, And you recently went to visit her. I did. And um, well, yeah, we met up actually in DC for a little family vacation. She was thinking about coming back home, but she's decided to stay. So we've all aged like five years because it's like like you're coming home yeah you're not coming home like because boarding school was stressful she was yeah it was uh she wanted to go and at first I didn't let her and so she waited a year and then she went and I think she's she was at the same school for her whole life so she was just getting kind of um like wanting to spread her wings and do something she also is the type to make big moves like she's kind of a splashy kind of personality. So it kind of makes sense that she's like boarding school. Like, but then she got there and academically, amazingly, because I was not the student she is, she's a really good student. She was fine academically, but emotionally she was like, wow, this is, and, and the type of people on the East Coast, it was a different breed for her. And her friends were very like artsy and, you know, like this sort of LA type of kid actually. And she's not, her dad is like kind of from that world, but he's also artistic and he, he kind of moved out of that world. So she just, she liked, she just felt like, where are my people? So, but now she's starting to find her crew. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's big stuff for a 17 year old. Yeah. Almost. Yeah. yeah, Almost 17 year old. I know she's really. That's amazing (laughs) that she's stepping into it and staying. Yeah. And it's funny because like teen, it's, it's funny because kids and teenagers 
and just humans, like we go through a lot, but I feel like there's a new kind of phase for, I don't know how ever many years of like being alarmed that people have like big emotions and she's a 16 year old girl. And so she's, there's nothing like out of the ordinary about her ups and downs, very enthusiastic about things and loving. And, but then sometimes she's, you know, down or anxious or whatever, but it's a funny time where even with little kids, like it's, it seems like everyone's like, whoa, whoa, wait, why are they doing that? You know, there's like this alarm I've noticed and I'm sort of watching, you know, it's just been interesting to watch that. I totally agree. And my son, so we were at a little private school here in Hollywood for his, the first part of elementary school. And recently, so last year he was in third grade and he started having these panic attacks in the morning like massive crippling, like, you know, on the floor in fetal position, my stomach hurts, my head hurts. I can't go to school. I can't go to school. And he had already been diagnosed with dyslexia. We had tutors. We had all the support. We were trying to be, you know, give him what he needed. And he just had these crippling panic attacks. So we put it, he, we got a therapist for him and it was just crippling anxiety crippling anxiety and part of it was the dyslexia and that it wasn't the school ended up not being the right fit and he was the one who advocated for himself which is amazing and said I want to go to this other school in Encino that's a specialty school for that he'd been to for summer school and so we I said of course yes and his father and I agreed and we did that but just the general so that's my story with my kids anxiety but I have noticed at least with kids my son's age, because that's what I'm around most of the time, there is so much more anxiety right now that I just don't, at that age when I was a kid, I had some anxiety just because it's in my family and whatever. But I just, even then, I didn't have. I did. You did? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I kind of feel like, I mean, I'm not like a um, denier, you know, of like things. Like I am an optimist in some ways, you know, but I just think, I think it's good that people are paying more attention, but I also don't know that it's more than it ever was. I think people are just more like the kids are maybe more comfortable talking about it. Mm, so we see that's it. That's a good point. You yeah, know what I mean? Like, true. and people say, now the kids, there's so much, you know, sex and drugs, but I don't think it's more. True. I think it's, it's like, it's always been there. Yeah. There's always those two kids who do things really early <laughs> and then those sort of group that does it, whatever. And then this people who watch and the people who are late, like, I don't know, or there's certain grades or classes that just someone found they introduced a drug somehow or they, you know, whatever, it just go, you know, it seems like that. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think, I don't know. I feel like people maybe, and the same with, um, yeah, just even grownups and their own anxiety. I think it's just more, people are more aware of it. So maybe it just seems like it's more, but I'm not a hundred percent. I just feel like I definitely, I mean, I grew up in the seventies and I had terrible stomach aches and, you know, and, um, there was definitely dyslexic kids and definitely kids who were different or this or that. Yeah. You know that you're bringing up a good point and I'm, I'm going to flip. <laughs> kind of just what I, just said. I mean, I do feel like it is 
it's just more, there's more awareness around it. But I, I just had a memory of myself at nine. And but actually, okay, so I don't remember this happening, but my mom recounts this story of when I was nine. And it was the middle of the night and I was on this, she calls it a crying jag, like where I couldn't stop crying. Yeah. And she says, I kept saying over and over again, I don't know what I'm going to be when I grow up. I don't know what I'm going to be. And she said she could not calm me down no matter what she did. Yeah. Now I'm remembering I did have anxiety and periods of anxiety. And then I remember being 12 and 13 and that awkward stage of, you know, tween and, yeah, you know, before I got my period and then I got my period, like all of that yeah. stuff. I mean, it's just, it's. And school for the kids, every single day, they have to show up. And like, I mean, I remember, which is probably great, how intense it was for me, for example, every uh, Valentine's Day. Like, did you get the right cards? Like, I did homemade cards. Oh, no, I'm going to be the only one with homemade cards. And I made my mom go to like uh, the Mayfair Market, which is now Gelson's because I live near Beachwood. Uh get like store-bought cards. So I'd spent hours on homemade cards. Then I had the store-bought cards. Oh, these too cheap or they look too cheap. You know, like, and every day there's just in school, they have to show up and remember their homework. And, you know, and, and I mean, yeah, when you get older, I mean, for me, when I work the night before the first day, or even until you get in a groove, like I can't sleep at night, you know, I'm like up at night, like, so I, or before a trip, I, I know I'm going to have one night, the night before, the night before, the night before, <laughs> one of the nights where I'm like up for an hour just for no reason because I'm sort of anxious about the trip or something. So I don't know. I think it's, I don't know. I, I, I just think it's a lot, but it's, that's life. So, but I, I don't know. I mean, for better or, or worse, we're this like helicopter, which I think is better than neglect, but it's also sort of. I feel like I have to be careful not to get too, um, you know, end of the world about it. Like it's such that everyone is, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but then again, it's nice to talk to other parents because you, when my older one was having anxiety in junior high, mm -hmm. I thought, oh, great. I've got the kid with anxiety attacks. <laughs> and then you talk to a couple other moms yeah. and they're like, oh yeah, Emma's totally has anxiety. And you yeah. think, Emma, she doesn't look like she, and then yes. you feel like, oh, okay, it's yeah. sort of the age and I'm not alone yeah. and my kid's not the weird one that, yeah. you know, it's sort of. It's good to talk to people about it. It really is. It's good. And I too, like, that's one of the reasons I love doing this podcast is that I get emails and direct messages about how this is helping. And yeah. I remember when you and I met when the kids were babies. Yeah. And I was personally just drowning in postpartum depression, not knowing yeah. it was postpartum depression, but just like that one hour a week or two hours that we would go to that baby class, it was yeah. like, oh, thank God. <laughs> you know, and we would just be like, and you, you were a second time parent, so you had that experience. Yeah. Oh, man. I know. Busy, busy Phillips uh, is m more friend of my husband's. I mean, I'm friendly with her, but he, I was reading some of her book and she was saying, joking that she would write a book, How to Raise Your first child like it's your second because I really feel like I do see the first children, the firstborns get a lot more because everything is the first time and it's so intense. Yeah. So yeah, it's definitely intense. And yeah, I know. I have a friend in Australia who's, she has two little ones and 
she just posted something about finally getting a cleaner to help. And she's like, I can get up again. Like, I think she's having really major. Post- oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, it's so oh, common. No. It's so wild. It's so common. And it has so many. There's such a spectrum of it, the postpartum. And yeah. I remember you just reminded Ooh, me. With get, I think my son was my husband was gone because he was working away. So he was in Boston. I was here alone. And my son was like, I don't know, six weeks old. And then I was just like wasting away. And my girlfriend called. She goes, we're hiring you a nanny. Like you need a nanny. I was like, well, I can't afford a nanny. Because again, at that point, I was like, not a full. She's like, no, 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 babysitter. You need someone like eight hours a week minimum. And so she found this woman and she came and she was this El Salvadorian Mary Poppins. And my, I just like was just like having someone around, like I would even not, I wouldn't do anything. Like my babysitter, Grace, are you going out? No, but I just want you here. I know it seems weird and you're probably, you know, you're, you grew up with eight kids in the Philippines and you think I'm insane, but just, <laughs> but, but you had a lot of people around. So I'm alone sitting in the house with the toddler and it's really, or the baby and it's, it's wonderful, but lonely and hard. So just knowing that they're there, even if, you're not doing anything, <laughs> you know, it's really, I know that's one of the first things when people were like, do you have any advice? Do you have, do, can you afford some help? Like, <laughs> I don't want to sound spoiled. But yeah, do it, do it. <laughs> yeah, it's worth it. Whatever you have to cut out in order to pay for the help, it's just. Yeah, just the support and just, just having someone else there. Yeah. And did you find that with your second daughter that you had any postpartum with her? Not much. I mean, I had a funny physical, like every evening for the first few days, I remember like clockwork, like at 5 p.m. or something, I would have literally like a five minute and it felt like more chemical or physical slump where I'd say, oh, I'm super depressed. And then it would go away, but it felt physical. Whereas with the first one, I just remember just like my mom or someone would say, just take take a walk or do, do, do you know, things that people do or what I would ask people, what do you do when you're really depressed? I do this, I work out or whatever. And I would just think, oh yeah, I have, this is nothing is helping this. You know, I, I'm not. And like now I actually will do stuff that people would used to suggest and it makes me feel better. And I'm like, this is what normal, you know, not normal, but when people are in a different space, yeah, they go out for a walk and feel better or they call, they talk to someone or they watch something fun on TV. And, but when you're in that, like nothing. No, you can't. You can't get out of it. You can't get out of it. So I don't know if it's, it's, I think it's partly, well, maybe, yeah, obviously psychological. I just think it's such a huge, I don't know. I wonder what it is, but it's definitely not just physical. I think it's, well, and like for your, in your case, the first time around, you weren't with a partner. Yes. And the second time around, you had an incredibly supportive partner. Oh, he was partner. amazing. Because, yeah, I was... What uh, a difference. Oh, man. He was... And he was... A lot of men, I feel like, don't have that magnet thing where you watch the baby. Like, you know, when there's a newborn and you just can't stop looking at them and every yawn, every little move. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And I remember my stepfather with my little brother was like, what are you guys looking at? I don't get it until they start walking and talking and interacting. But Ben, my husband was one of the rare, like he just thought little tiny babies were amazing as well, which was just amazing. Cause I, 
not having a father like that. And then the first time around, he was more of the old school style where once they could interact, he was more, he loved babies, but he was more into it. And Ben was just like, from the get-go. Loved, yeah. loved. So that was just, I really got, you know, treated or whatever. Yeah. That's so good. Yeah. And so now she's nine. Now she's nine. In third, fourth she's grade? She's in third, third grade. grade. Yeah. And it's great. She's ba- ba- basically an only child, which is nice, but also kind of sad. We have a lot of sleepovers, a lot of kids in the neighborhood over. And I was complaining the other night because I'm like not very good at sleepovers because once it gets 730 at night, I'm just, I want, I don't want any more confusion. Like the one way. kid and Ben were like, and I was grumbling the other night because he'll say, I'll deal with it. And I was like, see, she, this now Goldie's going to sleep and this one doesn't want to, like, why do we want to? And he's like, she's basically an only child. And so this is her chance to like sleep next to another kid and wake up and there's another kid in the house. So that's the good and the bad of this almost only. Totally. Well, it's, I have a similar thing where my son isn't, he has an older sister from my ex-husband's first relationship. Yeah. Um, who's going to be 25. I can't wow. believe she's going to be 25. You know, he's an only child. Like she's, she's, we hardly ever sees her. But we also have sleepovers all the time because of the same thing. And I'm an only child. And when I grew up, my mom, my mom has some social anxiety. So it was very hard for her to let me have friends. That was very graceful. I just watched sort of. Ioni pull her sweater <laughs> over her head and her headphones, like without a hitch. But so one night I had him, he ha- I let him have as many sleepovers as he wants. And a couple, like last year, I let him have two little boys over and I didn't have a time limit on the bed time or something. I can't remember. It's fuzzy. They stayed up till 1 a.m. Wow. Yeah. And then they were awake at 5 a.m. Whoa. And then they were grumpy oh. and tired. And I felt bad because I was giving them back to their parents, grumpy and tired. And so from then on, I said, okay. Here's the deal. Everybody has to know. All the parents have to know. It's in bed, lights out, fully releasing your body to sleep at 930 or the parents are called and the children yes, will go Yes, that's what we do. And I'm the sort of the strict one. Like, I'm like, it's nine. I'm calling your parents. Like, no, no, no. And then they do. And then they'll get in bed. And, <laughs> yeah. You know, and then, and they're so tired. They will fall asleep. Yeah, they but will. It's like that. Just one. And I was like that I too. I remember just wanting to stay. I've got the one who wants to sleep early. So there's a couple of her friends who are, you know, they're more like Italian style. Like they can go, they could stay up. They eat late. They stay up late. And they come over and they know now to bring a book or they, they know that they're going to watch something on headphones while mine because mine's this sort of it's not that she's a goody goody she just like needs to go to bed sleep. yeah she yeah. has to go to bed at- mine too i mean well our he goes to bed at 7 30 during the week which Ooh, is that's amazing good. yeah that's what i want to get back to feels like in the beginning of the school year from summer they're staying up a little later and you have to kind of pull yes, it back it is it is harder but we've gotten because he has to get up at before six so that we can oh, catch right, the bus because right. he's in Zeno now but but yeah, because and then last night, because of the time change, he was in bed. I think I got him to sleep at 7.45 and I went to bed like at 7.49. I was so tired. Yeah. I know. Tell me what you're doing now. I know you have a new TV a new show, show that's out. Yes. It's very exciting. Yeah. Camping on HBO. Um, and so I'm just kind of waiting to see. Now it's starting. I'm doing some press like this and... Uh, I've had a couple of almost uh, like an offer that I didn't like and then something I almost got that 
they didn't want me in the end. So a couple of jobs almost happening, but I'm just kind of waiting for the traction of this new show and I'm starting to get great feedback. And so I'm just sort of waiting to see if, um, you know, I'm sure I'll get more things after this. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. That'd be great. Can you tell us a little bit about the show? So the show is, it's based on an English show um, called Camping, where this brilliant woman called Julia Davis, who I think she did Fleabag or no, uh, Becoming uh, becoming Eve. Is that the show? Oh, yes, yes. yes. She's sort of this genius English showrunner, actress. And so anyway, I think, so uh, Jenny Connor and Lena Dunham, who did Girls, uh, they, I guess, were thinking of their next project. And I don't know who found, I think Lena Dunham found this show and thought, let's adapt it. And so they did. And this is the Americanized version. And it's a dark comedy, um, half an hour. And it's, uh, it's very, it's like very, one of those stressful, you know, comedies. And uh, Jennifer Garner plays this very controlling type A person who has a lot of, sort of Lena Dunham kind of wrote her, she has a lot of physical, like she had a hysterectomy and she has a lot of um, ailments, like mysterious ailments that, uh, you know, kind of take over her life. And so she kind of very wrote a very semi-autobiographical thing in Jennifer Garner's story. And, and it's disrupting her marriage to David Tennant, who they haven't had sex in a while. And she's using all of these sicknesses as an excuse not to be with him. And she's just like, wants everything to go well so anyway it all takes place over the course of his birthday party and they decide to have a camping trip and of course you know everything goes wrong and uh, i'm her meek little well i'm not her little sister <laughs> it was like we were uh, during the show i was like i wonder who's older me or jennifer garner in the show because i think i'm a year or two older than her and they i think i'm older i'm the older sister but i yes i very much like take care of her my character is like a very eccentric, strange, I'm like a hospice worker and I take care of everybody. And um, so anyway, it's really fun. And as it goes on, you know, more and more is revealed and everybody has their arc and mine ends up in a good place. Whereas some, I end up like on the road to happiness and some of the other characters end up more just brushing the dust off after like a lot of commotion. Wow. So sounds so good. It's really how the many character episodes is so fun. It's are... eight episodes and it's just meant to be this sort of this is it. Um and unless maybe if it just you know, people love it so much they will they've left it open in the end, open ended so oh, they can come back. Okay. But it's not necessarily meant to have a second season, but that they sometimes do, which would be great. And yeah, it just was such a juicy, weird character. And I, I don't think I've worked ever worked as hard on a character as this just because I didn't if I got I read it and I thought this is the weirdest who is this so I was studying other like comedian actresses and really like trying to kind of yeah what was that process like? well I I thought of the character was so kind of um out of it and you know I don't know just very um not ditzy. I didn't want to play her ditzy, but she's, you know, she could be read a certain way. And so I watched, for example, like Catherine O'Hara and um, like one of the best compliments was halfway through Jenny Connor said, you remind me of um, Julie Haggerty. Remember? Oh, yes. Oh, and yes. so I sort of was like, yes, because I was sort of going for 
that kind of just, they're not dumb. They're just, everything they say is kind quirky of, they're just and, quirky. Yeah. And, and so I just leaned into all of that, that. That's awesome. Yeah. So yeah, so that was really fun. And I'm getting like texts from actors. Like I have this friend who I admire so much and he just said, great job. You know, it was just, it's so nice that hearing that good. from your peers yeah. that you look up to. Yeah, that's yeah. so awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. Oh my gosh, I can't wait to watch the show. Oh, I want to like yeah. binge it. When it's better to binge because it's yeah. very stressful and short. Each one is like, feels like 20 minutes. So you're sort of like, oh, okay. So it's, I think it's better to, you know, this type of show, then it's not like these long, the Romanoffs, which each one's like a film and you're like, yes. I can't watch another I can one. only do bites of that one. Yeah. yeah. This is like, no, I'm excited. And then you also wrote a children's I book. I did. Can we talk about that? Yeah. That's amazing. I know. I wrote it and then I, I can't remember. Oh yeah. Ben, my husband, who's helped me so much. Um, he has a, a literary agent just to help with, uh, if he ever wanted to make a musical, he's a musician at uh, at William Morris and he said I wrote this little kids book but I didn't think to do anything he said why don't you meet with one of the agents there and then we got a publicist like pretty quickly a pretty good one and um my so my mom's side are Jewish and it was just you know Yiddish is such a fun language and I grew up with like hearing them speak not fluent um but a lot of Yiddish peppered in and I love love that group like i said before that jewish you know new yorky eastern european crew and they'd all basically moved to florida as a lot of the retired people in new york do and there was a whole community of them all in this retirement com retirement village and when i was a kid i was like kind of weirdly obsessed like not obsessed but i loved these old people and my grandparents so i sort of wrote a whole book sort of describing yiddish words around it's like with all these old people in this retirement community. So it's it's cute. And uh, it's called my the working title, which stayed, which was My Yiddish Vacation. And so, I love it. Oh, my gosh. And um, it's very good. And I, I have such a soft spot for, you know, Yiddish and, and the whole cultural sort of thing that that whole group had, you know, because we weren't, we didn't grow up in a religious way, but we grew up with the kind of flavor. And um, so I have a lot of love for that. So yeah, that's really cute. It's a cute book. That's so awesome. Yeah. Do, does it make you want to write more books? Yeah, I wrote like another one right away, but it didn't sell enough. I sent it and they were like, it's great, but you know, but they, she did say, publishers said, you have a, a you should try young adult because also young adult really sells better than kids books. For better, sadly, I guess, or maybe not sadly. And so I started writing like a young adult book, but a proper book compared to a kid's book is really a whole. Oh, it's book. massive. Yeah. So I haven't gotten that far with yeah. that, but I do send, also starting to write at that age. It's kind of painful. Like I realized, like, although I, you know, I think of all these stories and I remember so well young adult age stuff and what it felt like and I thought well maybe I'll write more than the like the sci-fi side because I started writing more than just interpersonal like girls mean girls whatever stuff but I just it was too painful so I think I mean like Tina Fey is so clever like mean girls because it's like funny it's painful but it's it's just that right amount where it's not mine was just like oh 
I just couldn't live in that that any any longer. So I too tortured. Yeah, I, yeah I've written stuff like that. Yeah, like, like, I gotta put I this away. Yeah. So then I thought maybe if I did it a little more, like I don't know, fantastical yeah, or either, fantasy. Yeah, yeah, either fantasy or I guess I don't know a more romantic. You know, this a little bit more kind of not so nitty gritty. Awesome. Yeah. I can't wait to see what you oh, do next. Oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> so we've come to the time, amazingly, okay. this ah. always happens, right? Yeah. Like I could keep talking to you forever. In every interview, I ask each guest three questions, the same three questions, and then I go into a lightning round of just fun, okay, silly questions. This is not like the actor's studio questions at all, so okay. no pressure. <laughs> what do you think about Ioni when you hear the word MILF? Oh, um, I think that I... I'm in that category, I think. Yes, um, yeah, you are. So. <laughs> You're on the MILF show. <laughs> what is something you've changed your mind about recently? Going back to parenting, like my reaction sometimes is to be a little strict with the kids that come over. Like, don't wipe your hand on the... But I sort of have thought now to try to get into their mind like a little quicker. Like, oh, well, they're not just like being a jerk right now. They're They just are kid and they're doing that. Thing that kids do, whatever they're doing. So I'm trying to kind of being disgusting. You mean exactly? <laughs> Generally speaking, yeah. Whether it's like mean words or like disgusting physically, yeah. like wiping stuff around, I'm trying to change my mind in that sense of just remembering that from their point of view, they're not trying to be horrible. They're just it makes sense to them at the moment. So just to first at least acknowledge, like I know you want to do that because that's what you're doing, but don't. <laughs> <laughs> totally, totally. <laughs> How do you define success? My grandfather always said, I may not be rich, but I'm wealthy. So his success, he would always say wealthy because he had a loving family and he felt lucky, you know. So his his success was emotional, like he got a lot of. So that's that's probably the most important one answer. There's a lot of. I love it. Oh, that's good. a great answer. Okay. okay. Lightning round. Yes. Ocean or desert? Ocean. Favorite junk food? Reese's peanut butter cups. Mm. Movies or Broadway show? Movies. Daytime sex or nighttime sex? Daytime. <laughs> Texting or talking? Talking. Cat person or dog person? Ooh, a little more dog, but cats a close runner up. Mm. Have you ever worn a unitard? No. I don't oh. think I have. I've worn a lot of leotards because I danced. Yeah. Shower or bathtub? Bathtub. Ice cream or chocolate? Chocolate. On a scale of one to ten, how good are you at ping pong? Five. What's your biggest pet peeve? I guess rudeness, any kind of rude, you know, rudeness. Mm. If you could push a button, then it would create 10 years of world peace, but it would also place a hundred year ban on all beauty products. Would you push it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know. Superpower choice, invisibility or ability to fly? Fly. It feels more brave. Mm. I, I also heard a podcast all about that. And by the end, I was like, yes, fly. Interesting. All about flying? It was like that. Superpower it, part choice? of it was that exact choice. And, uh -huh. and at first, it, it just broke it down that, not you know, invisible was more like sneaky type of person or something. Yeah. And the um, flying was more of a brave type. So I don't know what I am, but I, I guess I would try to go for the brave. I love that. Yeah. I love that. We got to get weird a little bit on the show. So because it is the MILF show. Would right. you rather have 
a penis where your tailbone is. Uh huh. Or a third eye. Oh man, I guess penis because I could hide it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what was the name of your first pet? Smoke. What was the name of the street you grew up on? Wilton. Smoke Wilton is your milfy porn name. Oh, I love <laughs> it. It's really sexy. Smoke Wilton. <laughs> it sounds like she's on a lounge chair, a lounge divan, smoking yeah. cigarettes. Uh-huh. Virginia Slims, maybe. <laughs> or no, she'd have a gold cigarette holder. Yes. Yeah. And exactly. fringe dress. Yeah. I love it. Ioni, thank you so much. Oh, this thank was you. such a treasure. So fun. Really, really fun. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so excited. Thanks so much for listening, guys. I really hope you enjoyed my conversation with Ioni. You can head on over to milfpodcast.com for show notes, links to anything that we talked about, including the website for her new show on HBO, Camping. I just am so grateful I get to share this with you guys every week and bring you these amazing women that I look up to, women that I would like to follow and I do follow and show me the path to myself and that makes me a better mom and makes me a better person so thank you all thanks for listening and we'll see you next week bye